Welcome back to Sit with Brit. This is your host, Brittany Bailey. I'm a writer, podcaster, and digital creator. But most of all, I am just so excited that you're here. So take a seat and let's dive in. Welcome back to Sit with Brit. Today I am here with Andrea Bethis, who is a family dinner expert. And this is such a cool conversation that we're about to have you guys because she has such a cool background and has such an expertise in a lot of different areas, um, which is always such a fun conversation to have. And so I'm really happy to have her here. Her mission is to help moms strengthen their home through mastering a no stress family dinner time. And she believes that deep lifelong connections happen when you confidently execute on three essential elements of a successful family dinner. So we're definitely going to jump into that and see what those elements are. Um, So welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm super honored to be here and I'm excited for our chat. So tell me a little bit about your background. I was doing some, I know we've followed each other on social for a while and I was doing some research on you and I noticed that you said you have 15 years of cooking experience. You also have like a techie side to you. And I know you were doing something for your county at one point. So tell us a little bit about like your background and kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I grew up in a really healthy, strong home and it was kind of strange because we moved every three years and that really could have been hard for a lot of people whenever I tell people that they're like oh were you just like mad all the time I said no and I would be genuinely surprised when people ask that question but when I left home I went to college I got a degree in mapping and data analytics and I got married I realized that my family was not the norm people weren't fighting with each other it wasn't abusive or anything, but everyone that I talked to said that I wish I felt more connected with my family. And they would be surprised when I called my parents on the weekend to just see how they were doing in chat. They were like, I don't talk to my parents as much. Like, how cool is it that you have that? And so with that background, I started work at my county. I was a mapping and data analytic tech, and I have the nerdiest brain. I am all about systems and processes. And so over the course of a few years, I developed some skills and talents, cooked my entire life. I, we lived internationally, and so I loved cooking international foods. And I realized when COVID hit that I wanted to make change in the world. I had I was bored after work and I wanted to help people. And so I looked at what my skills and talents were, combined them with my techie brain, and I created systems around family dinner, which is the one thing that my family did growing up that really unified us. And nowadays it's one of the most stressful times of day. And so I want to help moms be able to really master family dinner time so they can just laugh and connect around the table. Yeah. That's amazing. And what I love about that is a lot of times, like we're in the similar age range and like millennials, we have a lot of different interests. And oftentimes we've either moved jobs or we've gotten degrees and done other jobs. And we kind of have this like checkerboarded skill set. And sometimes it can feel like you got to just pick one and run with it. Or you can feel like, oh, I wasted time because I got all this experience and now I need this. But what I love about what you're saying is like, you just took these two things and you put them together, things that don't seem like they would go together, but totally do, because you have to have a system in place in order to get what you're trying to go. So I love that that's part of your story. Yeah, it was funny when I went to quit my IT job, my parents, they said, 
Andrea, I love you and I'm so proud of you and I'm excited for what you're doing. And are you sure this is the right decision? Because this is what you're trained in. And I'm like, I love you. And yes, this is the right thing for me to do. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's a great like segue into, so the way that they responded is very indicative, I'm sure, of how you grew up. Like that, that tells a lot about, you know, their how they ran your household and how they let you guys, you know, make your decisions and stuff. So do you want to tell us a little bit about kind of like what it was like growing up and, you know, moving around and kind of some of the things that you noticed that they did really well that is, is carrying into your adulthood? My, oh, sorry, there's a, there we go. My parents were incredible at consequences, rules, discussions, being involved in our lives without being too involved, you know? <laughs> When I was 15 years old, I got my driver's license, my learner's permit, and my family we all sat down at the kitchen dinner table and they said, okay, there's this new life event that you have. Andrea, how do you want to approach this? What rules do you want to create? What consequences can we create as a family? And one of the rules was if I was going to drive a friend, then we had to get the approval from the parents because I was a new driver. I remember one time... My family, <laughs> I remember one time I got in the car, started driving my friend, and I realized I did not get approval. And so I came home and I told them and they said, well, you know what the deal is. And now you don't have your phone for a week because that's the consequence that you decided. Yeah, lost my phone for a week. And was it fun? No, but it also was not unexpected. And so my parents, one of their philosophies growing up was be your word, stay true to what you're saying. And if you do, if you say you're going to do something, then you do it. And so there was never any second guessing. There was never any like, oh, I wonder if this is going to happen. It was all very clear and predictable, which was a great environment to grow up in mixed in with the spontaneity of being told at 12 years old that we're moving to Istanbul, Turkey for two years. So it was a great fun combo <laughs> growing up in that house. So were you like, so you were born in the States and you were like living in the States and then they moved you when you were 12 or how did that work? So I was born in Tokyo, Japan and we lived there for four years. And then I lived in Chicago, Boston, DC, Istanbul, Utah, and then I lived in Albania for a while on a service humanitarian trip and then came back to Utah. Oh my goodness. That's as I'm like, as I'm hearing you say that, I'm like the cooking makes so much sense because those are all <laughs> like amazing places to eat. Like, yes, every single one of them is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. So you, you grew up and they moved you when you were 12 and, and all around. And during that time, because you had such a, a strong family unit, is that why you felt like you were able to not only adapt to a new set of people every time you moved, but I mean, I would assume there's a lot of culture differences, like where you were going back and forth and all that. So is that why you feel like you were able to adjust to that? Cause you had that like strong bond with your family. Um, a lot of the times growing up, I was sad that I didn't have best friend because we moved too often but looking back on it I realized and as I got older that my family unit that was those were my friends truly and not in like a weird relationship oh my parents are my friends but that was the unit that was really strong and so no matter what culture we were throwing in whether it was like 
almost getting kidnapped in a taxi in Istanbul or being catcalled in Albania and feeling kind of scared or trying new foods in Germany and Norway and seeing our heritage. Like no matter where we were, my unit was my family. And so my parents did a really great job of teaching me how to adapt to those. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And so going on into your adulthood, you feel like that those are things that helped you no matter kind of what came up. Because I know one thing we wanted to touch on in this was you have been a support system for other people who are dealing with mental health challenges. And so you feel like what you learned as a child and, and moving around and having that stable family, like, do you feel like that helped you as you were able to be supportive of other people in your life? 100%. Um, later in my life, I had some people really close to me start struggling really hardcore with mental health. And at first it was really disorienting and uncomfortable for me because it felt really new. But like you mentioned, like growing up and you're put into different situations and cultures, you have to adapt. And so it first started out as me not knowing what to do, feeling really uncomfortable, loving this person and wanting to support them, but then also having to look out for me at the same time. And so it was really, really hard at the beginning. It was really hard. Yeah, that's, it's so true. And I think it's great to hear, not great to hear that, but people who have come from a past that maybe wasn't quite as solid is in our experiencing things like that might feel like, oh, well, that's just because I don't have a strong background or something, but like, it is actually a tough situation to be in. And like you said, disorienting because you're trying to figure out, you know, boundaries versus helping versus, you know, like what's the timeline on this. There's like so much that you're kind of juggling and trying to figure out like, where are you overstepping or where can you be more helpful or is there just one tool or one tactic that you haven't tried yet or something like that? And so it can be, you know, if you didn't grow up with that solid unit, you might feel like that's the reason why you're struggling, but it sounds like it's still, it's a, it's a hard situation to be in regardless. Yeah. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because I can truly say that it was the hardest time of my life was watching someone I loved go through really hard mental health um, experiences and not knowing what to do. And I pride myself in being techie and analytical and formulas and being a fixer. And so my go-to not only didn't help, it made it worse. And so I felt like I didn't know, I truly didn't know what to do. And so if anyone listening to this is being that support system and you're really struggling, just know that it's normal and it's going to get better. <laughs> and yeah. it's hard to validate your feelings because I did not validate mine in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. I think that's one of the keys because when you're watching someone, you're like, well, they're experiencing a lot more than I am because they're in, they're in it. So you feel like you can't really, you know, validate what you're experiencing. If, if it's scary or uncomfortable for you, you're like, well, it's worse for them. So it, it feels like you can't, you know, say that to yourself. Um, but the second that you do, and you're like, no, this can be hard for me and them. It can be hard for everybody. And it can be great for everybody in the long run at some point. Like it, it doesn't have to be one or the other person. I completely agree. Yeah. And so what kinds of things helped you as you were, you know, experiencing this, like once you kind of maybe got your feet under you, like personally, what kinds of, did you like develop a routine that helped you or were you just relying on like, 
validating your feelings and just taking things day by day? Like what kinds of things helped you as you were experiencing this? It sounds really counterintuitive, but the thing that helped me most was to stop thinking about it and fixating on it and helping myself become who I wanted to be, learning about my strengths, my weaknesses, how was I contributing to the problem? How was I, um, how was I forgetting myself so much that all of a sudden the relationship was really not working? And so by me leaning into my talents and my hobbies and giving space and letting them solve their own problems and being there as a support instead of a fixer, that was the key to not only helping myself, but to helping them. We're in the best spot that we have ever been in our entire lives. And I truly believe that it's because I stopped trying to fix it. And it was so, so counterintuitive. Like I hated it because part of you, like the ego and the pride is like, oh, I want to do this. Like I want to help fix this. But it's like, no, it's actually going to cause more problems <laughs> than fixing it. So once I finally stopped fixating, focused on my talents, my passions of what I wanted to do with my life, I was able to have a clearer mind and be more in tune and aligned with my beliefs, my values, and I showed up better in the relationship. And by doing that, it helped our relationship grow and it helped us work together as opposed to not fighting necessarily, but it felt like there was like a wall. It broke down the wall. Yes. Yeah. It's so true. There's so much about mental health that is counterintuitive. And I've learned that with anxiety where it's like a lot of anxiety comes from fighting the panic. Like you'll start to feel a panic attack and then you'll like distract yourself and want to do a million other things to try to avoid it. And I had a therapist one time be like, what if you just let yourself panic? And I was like, what? That feels impossible. Like, why would you do that? And the craziest thing is it stops it because you are no longer like pushing against it so much. You're, they, I guess they call it like healthy detachment in a way where you're kind of just like, this is the situation that we're in. It's here, you know, and then mm-hmm. you allow yourself to, like you're saying, focus on yourself because it, it kind of gives you your, your power back in a way. Those are things that you can control, putting yourself into hobbies you can control and leaning into your strengths at like, you know, the, the cliche of like pouring your own cup and then you're allowed, then you overfill and you can actually be a support system to the people in your life. Exactly. I always have this phrase of if, if my husband says, Hey, how are you doing today? And I say like, I am at negative 2% energy right now. And we all know what that feels like. If you're at negative 2%, you, you don't have the capacity to be help to yourself or anyone around you. So I'm a full believer in filling your own cup and doing it in a way that helps you become who you want to be, because that's how relationships thrive, whether it's with a sibling or a parent or a friend. That is how relationships grow into beautiful experiences when both people are becoming who they want to be individually, but supporting each other together. Yeah. Absolutely. So you started pouring into yourself. You started understanding the role of, you know, fixer versus supporter, which I think is so 
critical for anybody in there, you know, I think there's like even a, a portion of like alcohol anonymous that has that like the enablers and it's such an easy thing because it's a natural response. When someone you love is hurting, you go towards them. And then once you realize it's a chronic thing or something that is bigger than, you know, just somebody broke up with somebody or something, you know, that's a lot bigger then you kind of have to reevaluate the role that you're in. And so then did it take you a while to kind of find peace once you started pouring into yourself and, and, you know, moving on, or did you feel like that was kind of a shift for you overnight and you were like, all right, now I know, now I've got my feet under me and I know like what to do. (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing because it was not overnight. (laughs) It was definitely over time. Um, a few months even, because someone explained to me once of when someone that you care about is struggling or, or you're just in a relationship. If two people are in a relationship, they're in these roles. And so both of you are cycling around each other in these roles. And once you remove yourself from that role and start looping by yourself separately, this other person they're just kind of stuck in a loop and then it, it feels different. And so when you change, then naturally it's going to change the dynamic in a way that becomes really healthy and not get stuck in this unhealthy cycle where you're just like rotating these weird roles that d- doesn't have to be there. It's like these default actions that happen. And so when one person takes out, it breaks out of that cycle, then it becomes so much easier for the other person too as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the great thing about that is like in a situation where you feel like you have no power because this illness or this thing that someone's dealing with is so large and feels like it's in all parts of their life, that is the power that you have because you're right. It is, it's like my therapist says, um, it's a dance that's working for you until it's not like you're doing the dance. And then at some point you stop doing the dance and that person either is on the dance for themselves or realizes like, maybe there's something else here for me. And it really does like that is the power that you have as somebody who is a support system for somebody who's experiencing whatever they're experiencing. You do have power in that moment. Definitely. And also being able to differentiate yourself internally from the relationship, it can be healthy as well. And I think it's one of those things where it sounds counterintuitive, counterintuitive again, but the best thing for a relationship or for supporting someone is being able to be your individual self and find your individual worth and do your individual things because you're differentiating yourself. Your worth is not in the us, it's in the me and us. Yeah, a hundred percent. So you experienced this and then you started, you know, going into your business and you started like kind of putting these pieces of your life together, which is what I experienced as I was kind of, I didn't even know I was building Sit With Brit. And then I just had it because it's kind of one of those things where you're collecting these life experiences or these degrees or whatever, and you kind of start to put them together. So you have, it's strengthen your home. That's the name of your business, right? Yes. Yep. And so you started to kind of build this, you, you left your job and then tell us like what this business is and tell us a little bit about, you know, one of the, some of the core things that your business helps moms do. One of the things that I am really passionate about is creating a really safe physical environment, mental environment, and emotional environment. So everyone can feel connected and 
have fun together. Um, it was really interesting. I was trying to build the business during this whole time of when we were navigating mental health. And it felt like I just kept hitting wall after wall after wall because I I don't believe in compartmentalizing life. If one area of your life is really hard, other areas are. And so once we broke through and learned how to navigate the mental health and our dynamic, the business just came together. It's like all the puzzle pieces came together because everything else was easier. I don't know if you've experienced that, but it just, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And I think What's so cool about that is like often you can feel like you've wasted time when you're in a really bad spot. And when you're in that spot, like I know I I reached out to different coaches, I did programs, I did things and they didn't work like the next day. And so I was like, man, this is like, I wasted time. I wasted money. I wasted energy. And then there's a certain point where you break through a wall or you get through something when all the stuff, like, cause our brains are always learning and our subconscious is picking up stuff endlessly so there's a certain point where you do like it's like your brain catches up to your body or your body catches up to your brain and it's like everything that you've learned and everything that you've been dreaming about can happen in a lot faster time frame because you invested in this darker period when you didn't even realize those were going to carry you through and so I think that's that's such a relatable experience yeah and I think it all ties into being strong in yourself. You can't strengthen your home if you are just shattered on the inside. And so it all has to start internally and repairing any past trauma or any healing that you need to do. That's essential. And that was, is what I'm a huge advocate for. And once you're in that place where you feel ready to take on, not even take on more, but to just Feel once your cup is full, then I believe the next step is family dinner because that is truly the the one time of day where everyone can get together. And it's so funny because the second I say that, people are like, "Well, my schedule's so busy. We do take out too much. There's all this stuff." And I'm like, "Yes." And look, the kids are being fed. You're doing things that are working. So how can we optimize what you're doing to create that bonding experience? We don't have to change everything. What you're doing is actually awesome. And let's just tweak some things and completely transform the experience so that when your kids or your spouse are having mental health issues, family dinner is a time for you to talk about that and be open and to be really honest and create an environment where everyone feels safe. Yeah. And I think you are such the perfect person to be talking about this because often, like I know just in like maybe the fitness world or in other industries, like you see somebody who is maybe really fit or somebody who's really, you know, at the top of their business game or whatever. And you just see that and you're like, well, yeah, they were maybe born with great muscle definition or they, you know, they live in a big city where they walk everywhere. So it's easier. You know, there's, there's things that we kind of tell ourselves like these limiting beliefs and what your story, like what you're sharing is like, you've, you've actually gone through these things. And then you leaned on the experiences that you had as a child around the dinner table that helped you. And, and so like, it's so, it's like such the perfect thing for you to be doing. And I feel like it's just such a great, a great thing to kind of break through someone's mindset that might have like, oh, well, you know, maybe she hasn't gone through this or maybe you know, she didn't experience this as a kid, but like you're living proof that the things that you're teaching are like creating adults who are really able to adapt and be resilient in their 
in their lives. 100%. And I appreciate you saying that. I, I don't know if I've even looked at it like that before. <laughs> so I appreciate that. But I think you're right. Of when you feel like you've gone through hell and back, it's inspiring to help other people overcome that. And I feel like that is accurate for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So tell us about some of the tweaks that you make, because I know you mentioned the three essential elements of a successful family dinner. So tell us like a little bit about your process. Yes. So I believe that there are three elements to family dinner and most people are doing really well in one or two and then totally bombing it in the other one or two. And when I say family dinner, most people think of the first element, um, which is what's on the plate. So it's the food aspect. This is like, are you cooking? Are you doing takeout? What is actually on the plate nutrition wise? Um, most people, depending on what family flavor you are, and we can get into that if you want, but depending on what the strengths are of your family, this may not be an issue. Um, but yeah, that's the first element is what's on the plate. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah, so we can definitely talk about the family flavors because I did the quiz and we got on a call and it was so accurate. Like what you were saying about like you, I, I forget the, the name of ours, but it's very like hearty meals, like things that are, that make you feel really full when you, when you're done eating and like very kind of um, like homey type flavors. And I was like, yeah, that is exactly what, like I'm looking at our pantry and what you're saying is like, you probably have a lot of this and this and this, and I'm like checking it off in my head. Like, yep, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So that means you're a golden, you're in the golden group. And so that group really values comfort food, home cooking, easy. Um, but then one of the cons of that group is sometimes it's hard to find variety. And so that what's on the plate element can be, um, that can feel hard sometimes with that group. But it also means once you know your family flavor, then you play off your strengths and don't worry about the things that are bringing up the weak, I don't even call them weaknesses. It's just, that doesn't come naturally to you. And so if it doesn't come naturally, let's not force it. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And it's so funny because I really feel like my husband and I could like eat the same thing, like not maybe every day in a row, but like, we don't really get bored of stuff. It's just like pretty normal. And so for a long time, I had Pinterest boards of like different fun things to make. And I was like, that's not fun though. Like, yeah. It's just like, why are we forcing ourselves to do this? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, totally. So um, tell us about the other two essential elements, and then we'll, we'll point people to this quiz that you can take to determine your family flavors, which is so cool. And I recommend everybody do that. Yes. So the second element is what happens around the table. This is all about the connection, the bonding, the conversation, how to create an environment where everyone feels safe. And it can actually be fun instead of mom still dishing out food while all the kids are running around and how to introduce picky food eaters to new foods. Like how do you make it so it's fun and not a terrifying, horrible experience. And so that's the second element is what happens around the table. Then the third element, which is honestly the most important, but people just don't put mental energy towards it, is how to get family support so you're not doing it yourself. This is about really targeting the strengths of your family members to include in the parts of the dinner process that they actually want to participate in. Because family dinner is not just 5, 6 p.m. when you sit down and eat. There's planning, prepping, cooking, cleanup, groceries, 
And usually as I list that, people are like, you're right, it is all that. And that is that body through that signal is your body telling you that you're doing too much right now. And so then the third element is about how to stop doing it all, all yourself so you have family support. Yes. So many programs, any, any program like fitness or whatever, they miss the mental load part of it because you're right. It's it's every time you take out the pasta from the pantry, you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get more. And then you see something else and then you see something else. And then you're like, you know, you're completely checked out at that point. You've got a million other things in your head and you're not, and maybe even you're rolling into dinner resentful. Cause you've got like all totally. this going on. Most people are. Yeah. If you're at the peak of dinner frustration, you start dreading dinner time. And that is a really clear signal that there's a great opportunity for you to not have to go that way anymore. Yeah. I love this. Cause you're making it so simple. Like it is, that is the elements and they're simple. They're also really like, this is my favorite kind of thing where it's a really simple thing to do where you can outsource like hey, you're in charge of going to the grocery store, you're in charge of dinner, and I'm in charge of cleaning up or whatever. Um, But it's a simple tweak, but it makes a huge difference. Anybody who's carrying the mental load of a house knows that if you could just get someone to do groceries for you, that's huge, you know? So that's a big deal. And I was just talking with my friend, Karen, who I'm helping with family dinner last week. And she, it was hilarious. We were on our coaching call and she said, okay, my one daughter loves grocery shopping and my other daughter loves doing the dishes. Dishes, And so she said, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to swap them. So then the other one's going to do grocery shopping and the other one's going to do dishes. And I was like, no, do not do that yet. Because what we want to do is play off the strengths of your family members. There's a time and place to learn new skills. And we also talk about that um, because I'm a full believer and every kid should know how to cook. If you, if your kid goes to college and they can't make mac and cheese or a bread egg, we have a serious problem. Um, but there is a time and place for that. And that's later right now, focus on the strengths, getting people excited about family dinner and let's not force anyone to do anything they don't want to do. Yeah, totally makes sense. So tell us a little bit more about the family flavors. Cause you have a really cool quiz that will get people kind of into your world and they can see more about, you know, what you do and how you help, um, and, and kind of go from there. Yes, the family flavor quiz is a precursor to the hefty no method. That's the system that I teach around family dinner. And before that will work, we have to know what your family flavor is. And so you're either a golden, you're in the golden group, the magenta group, or the emerald group. The magenta group is me. Literally, you will eat anything. Like you just want to try everything. You really prioritize flavor combos, but your weakness is... um, honing that in a little bit and not creating mental overwhelm. People in the magenta group uh, tend to overwhelm themselves. (laughs) And then the emerald group is like my sister, Whitney, really healthy, fresh foods and really prioritizing ingredients. Um, If you are going out for takeout um, and get a big cheeseburger and fries, nothing wrong with that. You are also not an emerald group because that is like horrifying (laughs) to someone in the emerald group. And so what I do is if, when you take this quiz, I'll tell you what your result is. And I'll send you a free recipe bank that plays off of the strengths of your group. Because I've seen so many times, like you mentioned the Pinterest board, people are trying recipes that honestly would never work. And so why spend time, money, and energy on recipes that I can predict your family will probably not like, because I, my husband jokes, 
I like never repeat a recipe. I have made hundreds, if not thousands of recipes. And so I will know <laughs> what is most likely to work for your family. And so I'll just send you a list of those recipes based off of your group. Yes. And I can attest that that list is amazing. Like we, I, when I got that from you, cause when I, I think it was one of like your first kind of iterations yeah. of what you do. And so you said like, you were going to send a PDF and I was thinking like, you know, a PDF with some, some tips or I didn't really know what to expect. And it's just like fully done up. Like here are links to the recipes. And if you want to, if you want to be gluten-free, here's how to swap. Like you have everything like, oh, of course, the 15 years of cooking experience. Now we're seeing <laughs> like up to this point, we see the techie part of your brain where you've systematized and put people in categories. And then you see like, oh, she really knows what she's talking about. Like you can scan through a recipe and be like, that's not going to work for you, which is such an awesome shortcut for people to have. Totally. Yeah. And like, this lights me up just even talking about it. Like I just get so excited. This is my passion and what I love doing. So if anyone wants to talk to me more about their family flavor, like hit me up on Instagram and I would love to have a super fun conversation about it. <laughs> yes. So drop, drop your Instagram handle and where they can go um, take the, the quiz. Yes. So my Instagram handle is at andrea.beefus, B-E-F-U-S, like the hamburger, but only one E, beefus. And then my website is strengthenyourhome.com. Awesome. And if you follow her on Instagram, you'll see her cute dog a lot too. <laughs> yep. Rudy makes an appearance almost every day. <laughs> it's, I started putting my cat on Instagram and like, I get more truly, like I get more messages about Duke and especially if yeah. he's not been around, they'll be like, where's Duke? How's Duke doing? Is he like, okay? Yep. Yeah. Same it's thing. More than, more than about me. I'm like, I should just, so he has an account now. Like it's just. Oh, I love account. it. I thought about doing that too. <laughs> Pet influencer is like a real thing now. He can, can monetize it. Like it actually is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and talking about all this and being so open about, you know, how you've navigated through some of the stuff that you've gone through. I think it's so helpful for people to hear the other side of it and for people to hear, you know, what, what has helped you and what kinds of things they can draw on and how they can, you know, keep that ripple effect going like with their kids and with their family dinners and all of that. I think it's such a unique combination of things that you've pulled together and it's such a cool way to present it. And so big fan. And I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much, Brittany. And I love that you touched on that. That's the goal is for your kids to, I mean, they're going to grow up, they're going to leave and do their own things. And you want them to call you on the weekends. You want them to want to hang out and create a legacy and give your kids the skills that they need to succeed in life. So thank you so much for letting me talk about it. I love it. Absolutely. And I will drop all of your information in the show notes too. So you can guys can go follow her. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Sit With Brit. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this so I know what kind of content is helpful and relevant to you. You can always reach out to me at Brittany Bailey, B-A-Y-L-E-Y, on Instagram or hello at BrittanyBailey.com on email. Thank you again, and I will see you in the next episode.